Hello again and welcome to the Master's Voice. I'm Celestial and you're welcome to this channel. To old and new subscribers alike, you are very welcome. Please look in the description box. That should be one of the first places you look. You can always pause the video and look in the description box to see the short synopsis of each video. You can find the blog address down there. It's www.the-masters-voice.com. I strongly recommend whether you're an old subscriber, new subscriber, always refer to the blog because the blog is the pivotal center and core of the Master's Voice Prophecy Blog YouTube channel. The videos are also available on BitChute, Rumble, and Brighteon. And on BitChute and Brighteon is where you can find playlists for videos that are no longer hosted here, videos about so-called controversial subjects that were covered in 2020 and God protected those videos here for almost a year until they had to be removed. And he said that the time for their usefulness, basically the time when I was strongly led by the Holy Spirit and strongly directed by God to warn about certain things that were going on in 2020, I was making those kinds of videos very, very often because the Lord kept giving words of remonstration, words of rebuke, words of warning. But those videos can no longer be found here, but you can find them on the alternate channels where I also have information there that will be a blessing to you. And what else? If you are a new subscriber, there are a few things you need to understand. Uh, there has been at the Lord's instruction, a change in the way that I will be making these videos. The Father has said that because he extended a plate of mercy, he extended a plate of goodness, he extended a plate of kindness, by choosing someone in this generation to bring his words to his people, and those words were brought, I must say, with my whole, with my whole heart. And I would take the time Anyone who has been watching from the beginning will see that I would take the time, the scriptures that were given to me, I did not just come and read them and just drop them like a hot potato, but I would take the time. I would go through the scriptures. I would show how the scriptures lead in and out and things like that. But the Lord observed over time that those things were not appreciated. Instead of being received, those things were rebuked. Those things were called false. And so many people have felt that it is a pity that the righteous should suffer with the wicked but i have always tried to warn the righteous and this today's prophecy is a very useful wake-up call for people who truly love god you may truly love god but you need to understand what is ahead for the true god lovers you need to understand what is ahead for the true god followers so the lord has instructed me not to spend so much time going in depth in scriptures and melding them with teaching and melding them with the prophecies and everything like that because he says those things are not appreciated it is basically like trying to feed five-star food to a larger contingent that continues to call five-star food slop and lies and of a demonic origin and it is lamentable but that is that is this current situation and so um it has to be understood that God also cares about me. God cares about me. I'm not just a disposable thing to him. God cares about me as a person. God cares about me as a child. God cares about me as a worker who is wholeheartedly committed to this work. And so um, that is just the way things are. Today's prophecy is about, oh yes. So if you are a new subscriber, you will simply have to do the work. 
yourself. That is what I was trying to say. You will have to be a good Berean. If you have questions or concerns, you will have to understand that you have come to an end times prophecy blog. And so you cannot expect lightness and fluff here. The people who have gathered here are not gathered here because they are Celestial's fan. They are gathered here because they want to hear the real time end times word of the true and living God without fluff and without pretending and without having to tiptoe around the various sensitivities that people have. They're incredible different types of people from all walks of life, all levels of education, all ethnic backgrounds that come to this one channel and they are coming to feed on one truth that comes from God. So to think that the channel must ye and haw to cater to how this group feels and how that other group feels that the word of God should be delivered and things like that. People complaining, the prophecies are too graphic and yet you have to ask yourself, the prophecies are too graphic for you, perhaps a grown man, and yet you won't take your logic one step further to ask, but wait, the Holy Spirit has come to a woman and revealed without a filter certain things that go on in the underbelly of society that I as a grown man or I as an older woman or even I as a 19 year old did not know was happening. If God did not restrain himself to show these things to a woman, why am I so offended when the woman then brings out exactly what she has seen and heard and being told, be mindful to tell them all that I have said and shown you. So new subscribers, you will simply have to, I don't know. You will simply have to make up the slack. There are 475 prophetic words on the master's voice. This is my offering to Jesus, 475. And I still have some that I'm going through. I haven't made all the videos on the blog. I will not do all of them, but there are quite a few that still need to be done. And so you will need to do the work. You will need to make the investment of time. If you have a question and you want to know, well, why haven't you prophesied about this? I don't prophesy according to what, what people ask for. I prophesy according to the word God puts in my mouth and tells me, make this video today. And today, this word is a reminder to all faithful people. And I think it will be good for us because if you're honest, I have always told you that you will need strength above the strength that you think that you have stored up. The Lord has been showing me a certain type of thing for the last three or four nights. And by his mercy, I think it is his mercy. I cannot remember in detail the things that I am seeing, but I always wake up with the knowledge of what it was. And it is that terribly powerful spiritual changes, spiritual shifts are coming into the earth that if even the elect are not careful, these things will pierce the armor. If you are wearing your armor loosely, if you are wearing your armor wrongly, if you are not wearing your spiritual armor at all, the kinds of spirits and the kinds of influences that are coming into the world will just blow you out of your lane, will blow you away from following the Lord, and you will or may be a victim of the kinds of, I'll just call them urges. For humans, they will be urges. They will be compulsions. A person will feel as if they're being compelled into a lifestyle. And because we are now a generation that feels more than it thinks, a generation that thinks 
that everything it feels is legitimate. So every feeling you have, because we are so oversensitive and because we are so seeker sensitive and because we are so easily offended now, and we always think that the platform of what we feel and what we think and how we perceive information must be right, it cannot be corrected, then we will just fall prey to the to those warped perceptions. And it is only, trust me, it is only those who continuously go into the field of their Christianity and work and work and work and hoe and put down good seeds, good roots, who will be able to cry out to Jesus and say, Lord, preserve me in the earth when these things are basically sweeping others away. And so today's prophecy is called the end of the age. There were two prophecies like this. One of them was called the end of the age, hybrids, and this one is called the end of the age, the great falling away. I received this prophecy January 19, 2022, and the image I found is so telling. It is a cross on fire that is being doused in water and the light of the cross and the fire of the cross is going out. And the Lord told me when I saw that image, the light and the fire of the cross will be greatly put out. And that is a terrible state of affairs because the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be a light in the earth. We are supposed to be salt. We are supposed to be light. We are supposed to be a city on a hill. But God has always said that the people who think that they are rooted so strongly in Christianity will flee out of Christianity. They will make Apostle Peter, who denied Jesus three times, look like an altar boy with how fast they will deny the Lord. And so the two banner scriptures are, now the spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And this is 1 Timothy 4 and 1. And the other banner scripture is this, take heed brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And this is Hebrews 3 and 12. But there is one more scripture that I have to read here. Let me just balance. And it is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verses 3 and 4. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And so the great falling away is basically understood in Christianity as a time, a period, a lamentable, um, the Lord said that it will be a global event. It will be a worldwide event. And the way he referred to it in this prophecy is like it will almost happen by a switch, as if a switch is pulled, the way you put the lights on and then there's a shift from darkness to light or you switch them off and then there's a shift from light to darkness. The great falling away will be so sudden, but it will also be unmistakable and it will take true Christians by surprise. And it has been happening in dribs and drabs as we have been seeing people who become disillusioned with Christianity, people who feel that 
you know, they, they were sold a scam. They were sold a lie in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sure that we have all seen the so-called blogs and the so-called articles coming out from so-called men of God, pastors of 15 years, 16 years, worship leaders who have been leading for 19 years and sometimes longer, who suddenly have done what looks like an inexplicable pivot so one, mi- one minute we'd see this person standing with their hands up and they're leading song after song after song and they become quite a prolific worship leader. They become well-known in the so-called culture. And then you wake up one morning and it's a trending story and this person is using language that by now we should be used to, such as, I don't believe that a loving God, this is God's chief fake identity, the loving God identity. Not that he is not loving. God is great love. I'm smiling because I know how loving this person is and many of you do too. But this loving God persona has been used to limit God and turn him into a teddy bear, whereas he is only allowed to have one emotion. He is only allowed to be the loving God. Whenever someone tries to mention that God is actually a God of holiness, then it's you're judging me and God wouldn't judge me the way you're judging me. If you mention that God is a God of righteousness, that God actually expects us to be seeds of his planting that grow up into trees that eventually give birth to good fruit that a person can pick and chew and say, yes, this is definitely coming off the life of the Holy Spirit in this person. When I eat this fruit, I taste Jesus Christ. I taste life coming back into my tired or weary or stressed out body. People don't want to hear that God is a God who expects righteousness to come out of people who claim that they are his. God is the loving God. And so we wake up and we see these controversies all over the place. We've been seeing them for years at least I certainly have, a furor, a storm. Someone who's been following God is simply, and they're trending because the world loves to see Christianity fall on its face. The world loves to see the pastors coming out in handcuffs for sleeping with 16-year-old boys. The world loves to see the church shamed. And that's because the spirit in the world is anti-Christ against the Lord Jesus Christ hates him, hates his lordship, will not ever want to see themselves, this is the spirit in the world, as subordinate to God or submitted to God. And so basically loves to see us, the church, the living representation of God, fall flat on our faces. And the bigger the transgression, the more heinous the sin that leaders and top top faces or top names in Christianity commit, the happier the spirit of Antichrist is to cause those headlines to trend and to cause it to be said, look, another one of them has lost their faith. Look, another one of them is questioning their God. And so you will see these people saying that I just don't believe that a loving God would just put a whole bunch of people in hell. There was a man like that who had quite a prolific church And then because his son switched to the alternative lifestyle, he began to say that he could no longer reconcile the words that were printed before both him and his son were born with the loving God. This man began to disavow the truth of hell, 
Notice I didn't say the principle of hell, for hell is not a principle. It is a real realm to which disobedient souls who deny God, defy God, and try to reason that there is no God will go. It doesn't matter if you believe in hell. Hell believes in you. It is as real as the eternal rest that we will share with the Lord in heaven. And so people will say that all of a sudden the Bible is not true. This is what 1 Timothy is calling and will turn aside to deception and the doctrines of demons. Because darkness becomes planted in the hearts of people, they choose the darkness because of hubris, mountainous, towering, insurmountable pride. And they do that because God allows them to settle into darkness the Lord can actually allow you to enter a realm where the lights are switched off upstairs. You're walking around and you're having conversations with people, but your speech can prove you to be one in which there is no light. The rivers of living water have been turned off and you are a desert on the inside and your words will expose you and the trained ear can hear you that you are deceived and the lights are off. And the Bible then says, it is very hard to renew such people back to repentance. Here, let me read it for you. And then have fallen away. This is Hebrews 6 and 6. And then have fallen away, speaking to those who will be given over to have the lights switched off. It is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. So here's the estimation of the Lord speaking through Apostle Paul and saying that when people have fallen away, this is like I've speak, I speak often of the wallpaper analogy. Here's the wall and the wallpaper, when it's new, you stick it and then you press it on with that metal thing. I don't know what it's called, but the metal thing that puts wallpaper on very well it is very sticky and it adheres to the wall. But Paul is now saying that there is the reality that some lose their adhesiveness. They lose their stickiness. They become loosened from the wall somehow and they begin to peel off. And we've all seen wallpaper that peels off and then can drop off. When the wallpaper peels away, is it the fault of the wall which has remained constant and steady? Praise Jesus. Or is it the fault of the wallpaper that has lost its stickiness? And does Matthew not tell us that this wallpaper that can no longer stick and fall away is exactly like the salt that is no longer salty and has lost its saltiness? And the only use for unsalty salt is to be thrown out, the Bible says, and trampled underfoot by men. So there are those who will fall away, and it says that when they fall away, it is impossible to come and take this no longer sticky wallpaper and stick it back. It is impossible to renew them to repentance, meaning that these people, you can preach to them in three lifetimes, and they will keep giving excuses, and they will keep trying to refute, and they will keep trying to argue out of the darkness of the futility that they have been allowed to slip into by God, 
who can see them becoming unsticky and resisting any attempt to make them cleave back to him until they fall away. He says that it's impossible to bring them to a point where they repent of what they have done and they will come back to Jesus. He says, in order for this to happen, you would have to crucify Jesus a second time. And we all know that Jesus is not going to be crucified a second time because he was very clear when he finished his assignment, he said, it is finished. Basically translated, I'm not doing this again. The work was done, it was whole, it was complete, it was perfect, and all who come to the cross must cleave and stay cleaved. And that is how we know that there is no such thing as once saved, always saved, because you can indeed fall away. And to fall away, you must have been sticking in the first place. And so, in speaking with the Lord about the kind of messages that I receive, he was telling me that your messages actually go far into the future. And that is one of the things that God says makes this channel and makes the truth that is spoken here such an offense. Because he was telling me, you see, Celestial, because of the nature of the word that I give you, it doesn't leave any room for a side or a co-pilot theology. God was telling me that the kinds of messages he gives me are so final and so emphatic that everyone is confronted with a choice. And I was surprised to see that even a year ago in January of 2022, he told me the same thing and I wrote it here, that you are speaking and writing for the future. And so when you come to these prophecies, they leave you no choice. They force you to confront your theology. They force you to confront what you believe and they force you to choose. You either choose the version of Christianity that you have, or you have to abandon it all together and begin to relearn within the context of the scripture that God gives here and the things that he says will come. It is either you cling with your brand or the brand that he has here, but the two of them will never coexist. If you try to take these prophetic messages and the way the Bible is taught here and fit it into what you think, you will always come to befuddlement. You will always come to confusion. Unless you have the same similar pure brand of faith then you can effortlessly fit, even if he's teaching about Nephilim and sons of God and things that are being kept under the mountain, you will find the place that it goes into the truth you already have. And you will say, for instance, these dreams I had, they make sense. These things that I used to, 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 to see in the visions, they make sense. When I listen here, I am able to slot my own experiences and they fill in the gaps for me. And so he was speaking about this and saying that the final times where there will be a falling away will be exactly like this. And God says that we will come to a time where you will not have the benefit of a pastor. You will not have the benefit of exhortation. You will not have the benefit of anybody telling you anything. You will be at the mercy of what you know, what you think, what you believe, and how well you have been taught or otherwise. And to those who are confident and strong in their faith, You've been in the faith 15 years and you have not wasted your 15 years. You have nothing to fear. But for those who are just coming to the kingdom six months, a year, one and a half months, or something like that, or even those who are 40 years in the church and yet 
It was oatmeal, it was Kool-Aid, it was milk, it was lies, it was God is love, love, love theology. You are just like someone who got born again last week. Your edifice is made of snow and juice, and you have actually no firm foundation under your feet. And that means that you can't afford to be slack in these times. God says there will be no good teaching. There will be no good edification. You will look for it and you will not find it. And that is why some people are so stuck in trying to find a church because you go into the church and they're in there with their thousand dollar watches or they're in there with just a normal watch. But before the sermon can even get going, you hear this. You know, I, I, I just believe that I, I, I believe I be you have left home and maybe driven five or six or 10 miles to a house of God. And then the pastor is going to use up your precious time remaining on this earth to tell you his beliefs because scripture is not enough. It is not enough to cut up the scripture and feed you and your wife and your three children. He wants to feed you his beliefs. As if your end times faith, your ability to sustain in the great tests that are coming are going to stand when the enemy is loosing those fiery darts one after another. When you lift up the shield of faith, do you think it's going to be the pastor's I believe that will sustain you? When there are warfare battles to be fought in the spirit, when the, when the serpent is after your child, when the devil is after you, when you can't f seem to find any progressive, any progressive help in your life, you can't seem to win at work. You can't seem to win in your family. You can't seem to win in your marriage. Are you really going to open your mouth and say in the, in the name of the God of the pastor, if you do not have a strong and rooted relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, or at least a commitment to strengthen and root what you do have so that it does not collapse like the house that is built on the sand so that it does not get blown away. Is it the pastor's I believe teaching that is going to sustain you? God says that we are living in the era of a timed offer. You do not have all day to make a decision for Jesus Christ. You do not have all day to be in fornication and emailing me about, well, is it, is it really a man and a woman? Can we decide in our hearts that we are a couple? And I just think to myself, can I decide in my heart that I own a BMW? Can I just walk into the BMW and just say, you know, I'm making a decision in my heart that I'm a BMW owner. And so I'd like a pair of keys to be put in my hand. What is, what is happening in the church today? What is going on in the minds of people? This is evidence of delusion already rooting because people don't want to depart from sin. People don't want to say no to their desires. And this is the root of how you fall away. This is the seed of the serpent inside people. The poisoned fruits evidenced in human nature that God cannot be sovereign. People truly think that God needs a co-pilot. People truly think that God needs their buy-in, that God is listening for their, for their opinion, that God wants to hear back from them about his rules. Is there a caveat? Is there a second way, Celestial? Well, is, is there an exit ramp for me, Celestial? And I am astounded by these things because you do not know that you are abiding under the Lord's wrath. In studying for this thing today, the Lord was showing me, I think it's in Psalm 95, and I will read it, where he said 
that he was angry with Moses's generation for 40 years. And I was astounded at this. I said, look at how long God can hold resentment in his heart towards a people because they are hardened and they will not repent. And yet when the Lord sends me here to bring prophecies, to say that he is still nursing grievances against America for certain sins, then people want to say, well, why is he holding the offense so long? Imagine. Our Lord cannot die or pass away, but people feel that there's a timer on sin, that when the people who commit the sin die, then the sin cannot be imputed to anyone. And yet they live in a world where if they have an elderly mother or father who dies in debt, the debtor can come after the children's assets. They respect this principle in the world of finance, but then they find it impossible to respect in spiritual matters. God is saying that we are in the time of a timed offer. You do not have all day to stop the sin. You do not have all day to clean up. You do not have all day to repent. And if you continue, wrath can abide on you and take you away in that condition. And many people will refuse this grace offer that God has given because they have improperly learned grace. They think that grace is God's endless capacity to absorb, to absorb their dirt. God is the Swiffer mop jet. They, they sin, and then it's God's job to come and look at that with one wipe. That's God's role. They don't believe that it's about graduating from oatmeal and milk into strength, into practicing one of the greatest gifts that God has given us in Galatians chapter 5. I think it's verse 23. One of the greatest fruits of the spirit, which is self-control. Self-control is the mark of the matured man. I don't care how good she looks. I'm married and I'm not going to entertain this flirtatious conversation from her any longer. In fact, I've made up my mind. If she tries it again, I will give her a rebuke. I don't care if she's angry and I don't care if she goes to HR and says that Harold spoke to me sharply. I will say Melanie is always speaking to me with the tongue of a serpent and it makes me uncomfortable. I am a man and actually I want to file a grievance report. She, re she filed a report against me and said that I spoke to her sharply. I want to counter file a report and say that I feel sexually harassed in the workplace by this woman who knows that I am married and I have a ring of covenant on my finger and she constantly comes to my desk with her blouse slightly unbuttoned and I feel uncomfortable. Where is the self-control to draw the line? To say that if I'm not married to her, I'm not taking my pants off. This is some of the stuff that God was saying to me before I began this. Do they know that when they fornicate, their countenance is twisted before me? We're in America. Everyone has seen at least one Disney movie. Have you seen a single Disney villain that looks good? Have you seen a single Disney villain that doesn't have a hideous face? Do you want it on your record that simply because your flesh is hot, your, your countenance is disfigured? He was telling me, they don't know. No matter how handsome you are, no matter how much of a vixen you think you are, you look like a twisted wolf hybrid before God because you will not bridle your flesh. Because whoever DMs you, you're diving into those private messages to find out when and where and how and how frequently can we hook this up. Imagine 
trading your seat at the wedding supper because you have no self-control. You want to invest in the earthly realm instead of investing in the spirit. You want to take part in carnal things that are for a moment instead of sowing seeds of righteousness that will become jewels in the crown that you will one day have the gift, the privilege, the pleasure of taking off this crown and throwing it at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is people today. These are the conversations that people who call themselves children of God if God does not have this kind of room to speak this kind of truth into your life, you are deceiving yourself. You are deceived. If you are in the presence of God and all you're getting back is, oh, my gentle flower, you are lying to yourself. Because true Christians, when they get in the presence of God, this is the sound that comes out. Shing, 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 iron on iron. Even if you are the dullest iron, the Bible says that the words of God, they make wise those who are simple. When you're simple, you are making foolish choices that are not going into the right bank account. They're not going into the bank account of your spirit. They're going into the bank account that will overflow with violence when God gets ready to deal with you for recalcitrance. Recalcitrance is when you tell your toddler 20 times, don't throw that on the floor. And 21 times, this is 20 times you said, don't do it. And then they throw it one good extra time to show you who actually pays the rent in that house. Them, not you. That is recalcitrance. Recalcitrance is hearing the voice of God and then deciding that you've got something better to do. And you, you actually want to follow the path of iniquity all the way down to the little house at the end, which is usually a house that when you open the door and step in, it says rest in peace, shock and surprise. Your tombstone is usually waiting in there, refusing to turn back the foot from evil. It is a timed offer. Written here, God will not call us forever. He will not strive with flesh. Always the time of grace will end. His faithful voice calling the whole world to be saved will go silent one day. And that includes what he was telling me. I think it from the book of Jeremiah where he said, I will make your tongue. This is from Ezekiel, actually. It's Ezekiel 12 where he said, I will make your tongue cleave to the roof of your mouth and you shall not warn them anymore. What a horrible day. What a horrible day. The day you look for this channel and you cannot find it because YouTube has had enough. What a horrible day when God leaves you in the hands of the recycled lies that have grown so popular in the American Christian church. What a hideous day when you seek the word of God the true word of God that goes shing, shing, the flint against iron, sharpening it to be able to stand in the day of calamity, lies, the kind of supernatural deceptions that are coming, the kind of spiritual demon, demonic powers that will be released in the earth. And you have not been sharpened. It's been all my gentle lamb and my delicate flower. And these are just the confusions of your mind. Because in his heart, what Jesus would, would have been saying is, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, 
how I wanted to gather you, America, America, and put you under my wings, but you would not. I would have fed you with milk and with honey, but you refused. And so your nation is left to you desolate. The lies you embraced, the delusions you were full of, the doctrines of demons that you were clicking, clicking, clicking on all the little blogs, they built up inside you a wellspring of iniquity. And from that well, you will drink until your hearts fail you. The heart of God loves his people so much and he warns because he loves. But when the Lord warns, his warnings are called doom and gloom, unwanted and unfriendly interruption into the picnic of America's social club, Christianity. And here we are, the nations are modeling the false gospel. And perhaps those of them who have found this channel are shocked to find that of all the types of Christianity practice everywhere in the world, this here in the United States is the most reprobate, apostate, yeast mingled bunch of lies that have carried all but a tiny few astray, making them ready wallpaper that will peel away. And yet this is a people that feel that they're just two and a half steps at best, one and a half steps from a great outbreak of revival, defiled with sin, the land heavy with iniquity, soaked with blood. And yet they feel that on this soil that is crying out for justice, revival is going to break out and they don't even need to repent because what could they possibly be guilty of? We are good people here after all. God has sent a word, a sword to shave off the fat and to prepare the faithful for the times. I am telling you people of God, the Lord has always told me, Celestial, you will bear it first for that is the way of the Lord. That is God's blueprint. I've never seen a happy prophetic messenger in the scripture. I never saw one that seemed to be all bright and zippy. They were miserable people for several reasons. But he says that after you bear it, because you are going ahead, you are being a vanguard, you are speaking the truth into the earth. So it's like there's a huge jungle and someone has to go in front with that machete sweating in the hot sun, cutting out just a path for one person. Please listen, because none of this is part of what is written down here for the prophecy. I will simply have to upload the prophecy in a separate video. This will be part one. The path I am cutting is not a broad path. It is not a highway. The path that I am cutting, I already know it separates husbands and wives. I already know this because some of them confess it. My husband hates you. My wife detests the sound of your voice. She will not tolerate me to play the videos in your house. I'm hacking a one man wide path. That's as wide as these thin arms can manage to hack through this jungle of disbelief and pride that we have here in America. I'm hacking it for myself to pass through. 
And whoever is coming behind, you are not following me. You are following the God that I am following through this jungle. The path is one deep. You might be the only person in your family who actually believes the things that are said here. That means that when it goes dark, as God says it will, please excuse me. When it goes dark, you might be the only person in the house, whether it's physical darkness, spiritual darkness, worldwide darkness, you might be the only person in the house because you stayed on that thin jungle path who was prepared, who will not be taken by surprise, who will say, I think it was that prophecy, the one from June, 2022. I think it was the one that she did in October because what's happening on TV now is exactly what's happening here. The Lord says we will see all these prophecies. He said the TV will let America know what this channel was always warning about. And Jesus himself said that he came to bring a sword to set the mother against her own daughter and the father against his own son. A times offer. God will not always be there. The door will not always be open. The ark will not always be open. So when he brings those in who are coming in, there will come a time, y'all will shut the door. And then those who are outside will become weathermen because that's what happened in Noah's day. He shut the ark and then all the people who mocked and scoffed and said, who ever heard of rain? They became weathermen. They got to investigate rain in depth and in full until the depth and the fullness of the rain finished them off. The great falling away, the inability to have, and the good years, when the sun was up, when you still had Wi-Fi and a little time to listen to the truth, that was when you were supposed to be working in the field to strengthen your faith, to strengthen the faith of your best friend, to strengthen the faith of your wife, your mother who refuses to listen to you, your best friend or your husband who just thinks, well, this is a little too much. I don't see where it fits in two days time frame because Jesus is coming back. Doctrines of devils. America believes. I've now heard the brand new statement. Do you think that Jesus will beat up his bride before he comes back? Imagine. The Islamic terrorists are setting the Nigerian believers on fire, putting bombs on their buses and burning them to a crisp. And the pictures of their bodies are available, frozen in attitudes of great pain as they've lost their life. China persecutes the church. Islamic nations persecutes the church. None of them says that Jesus is beating them up as their bride because they are matured people who have been forced to chew meat. In persecuted countries, you are forced to chew spiritual meat from the very day you get born again. You follow Jesus and the pastor is already letting you know in sermon number one, well, they put brother Ying and brother Ken to death last week, but we prayed for their souls. And we know that the king shall receive them on the last day because they did not deny him to the end of the 50-day starvation diet that the government put them on. Imagine. These people know that Jesus is not beating up their bride, but in America, we proliferate lies straight from the pits of hell. And then you can see, you can tell just how trendy the lie is by how many Facebook pages have it. Jesus will not beat up his bride. 
Imagine the testing of the church, the purging of the church, the rise of the martyrs according to the fifth seal that is written in Jesus's history book. America's church says that Jesus would never beat up his bride, but he will come to gather them up in their filth, in their deception, in their milk doctrine, and scoot them off to the wedding supper, untested, unpurged, unsanctified. God is not interested in opening America's mystery secret box to see what is in the heart of her Christians. No, he is assured of group righteousness, and we're already ready to go. I think it's Galatians. Apostle Paul saying, who fooled you? How fooled are you that you started off so well and are now this deceived? What an apt and perfect question for this nation at this time. Who, a nation that does not know that we are going to be the biggest history lesson that was ever taught. That when the other nations see what will happen here, they will have instant turnaround. When they see what happens here, And the Lord has already said that the punishment, the grievance upon the hearts of those who manage to survive, those who manage to flee, those that he will carry away to safety. He said, even those people, the punishment upon their backs will be to constantly have foreigners asking them, what happened over there? What did you guys do for God to allow this much punishment upon you from every conceivable angle at the same time. And he said that the burden upon the hearts of America will be to constantly have to speak of their sin in detail to foreigners to explain to them that this is what came upon us. This is what became of the empress, the queen who sits as a queen and shall never see dark days, humbled low to the dirt. The great falling away, people who never built faith in the good years, and then when the dark years came like it did in Pharaoh's day, they had stored up no grain whatsoever to survive. This man of perdition in 2 Thessalonians chapter two, Let no one fool you, for the day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin be revealed. The man who will arise in this nation as God has revealed and will chop down Christians in this country. His tentacles may go abroad to consolidate power and work with the 10 kings who will give their authority to this beast that God says, the seat of the beast will be here in the United States. Great Britain was once a conquering nation. She went all over the world. The Commonwealth of the United Kingdom is so vast to this day, but there was only one seat 
where the kings and queens, the regents of times past, sat, and that's over there in the UK. India was not the seat of the British Empire. Australia was not the seat of the British Empire. All the African countries that she took over, like Zimbabwe and other places, they were not the seat. The seat was over in Europe. Her influence extended, but the seat was where the queen always sat doing this. The man of perdition will sit in the nation. And the Lord says that the falling away comes first and, meaning that this was a congruence of events. And it is not surprising to understand biblical scripture. If something is going to happen and, then you can easily understand why people will fall away from Christianity. What a terrible realization to realize that Jesus is not coming for you before you see the man of sin rise. How shocking and horrible to realize that you're not going to any wedding supper until the man of sin arises, the son of perdition, who will oppose and exalt himself. It says, above all that is, above all that is called God. If what is called God, this is the priesthood, the Levites who are supposed to be teaching and watching, washing us with the word now, but they are dirtying their robes with their fornications, their lusts, and their hunger to go after the church purse, and their hunger for child flesh. And then they dirty the robes of the people by association. Tell us more, for, more false prophet. We know you missed it the first 15 times, but we will still tune into these podcasts because we believe in a 16th chance. The Levites are dirty. The priests are dirty. The people are dirty. And yet the Bible is saying that this man will arise and exalt himself and oppose all that is called God. Basically, the church of Jesus Christ in the earth, this man will rise and fight us and cut us down to what God has revealed on this channel will be a bare minimum. So America will discover that seat means centralized power of, and America will discover that Jesus Christ does not share her opinion that purging and refining, and as Daniel says, many shall be made white. That is, you will get your marcher robe and leave this earth. Sanctification, faith will be tested almost to breaking point and then some. What a shock to realize that you have lived and come to the time where Jesus does not consider his church going through these things as beating her up, he considers it sanctification. This is Celestial with the Master's Voice. I will make a second video and that will be the prophecy, but I believe that the word of God has been delivered here for somebody. God does not let these words fall to the ground. These words are meant to edify and fortify people, but they're also meant to shake people out of the very real drunken stupor that many of them live in. In this country, and please listen around the world, because God says the falling away shall be 
global. He said it will be a worldwide event. In the written prophecy, he said, Celestial, you will see it will be like the flicking off of a light. So instead of waking up and seeing one worship leader or one man who wrote great books that shaped a generation, suddenly saying, I regret those books. I was wrong and I didn't have the full mind of God. I don't believe that God would treat people that way, disavowing great teaching that they did in the past because now the culture has changed and the culture doesn't want to be told to be holy. The culture doesn't want to be told that sex is for after marriage and that even if you are shacking up now and you have children, if you don't get to the registry office and make it right in the sight of God, then you are children of fornication, no matter how you want to see it. You are in fornication and you are a child of disobedience and the wrath of God is abiding upon you and your twisted countenance that he looks on and says, you look nothing like me. You don't reflect my face and my glory at all. You are defiled and you continue in the defilement. You are convicted when you hear the word of God, but that conviction is not enough to propel you into action to repentance. Repentance is where you make it right. I've said this so many times. It is not enough to be pricked. Anyone can be pierced by the word of God. Anyone can be confronted and say, this is me. This is me that she's talking to. I feel somehow. But most people, because we are a feeling, sensing, carnal generation now, no matter where you are listening to, if these words are for you and you take these words and you throw them outside in the trash, be it unto you. Be it unto you. We're sensitive now. We, we want to feel, we want to feel our way through Christianity. We don't want the spirit to lead us. We want the flesh to test all things because that's what the Bible says. Test all things and hold on to what is flesh. So we can be pricked, we can be uncomfortable in the presence of truth, but those who are not perishing, those who are being renewed daily unto life, they go a step further. They're like the people in the book of Acts. They cried out to apostle Peter when they heard the word, they were pierced to the heart. And then they say, what must we do to be saved? And he told them, repent of your sins and be baptized. And then in that same passage, it says, and 3,000 people were added to the church that day. That means 3,000 people were cut and asked, what should we do? And they were told, repent, stop doing what you are doing. Put it away from you. Cast it away. Cast the people who lead you to do it cut them off, delete their numbers, stop going to where they are and then saying, I know it's sin, but then I'm there and I think I'm winning some of them because my presence, who do you think you are? How much anointing do you really think you're full of? You're in the sin, you're with the sinners, you're complete, you are the living epitome of Psalm 1 verse 1. The man who is not blessed because he is standing in the way of the sinners, he is hanging out in the path of the scornful, he's sitting with mockers, He's following the ungodly advice. But then you believe that you are just bursting forth with some kind of light and I think I'm doing some good. You are deceived. They're in sin. You are in sin. And basically the Bible, all it just basically says, do not be fooled. 
bad company will corrupt good morals. This doesn't mean isolate yourself and go sit in the house. We are called to be salt and light, but if you have a problem, what are you doing in the place where the problem is being impacted back to you? You're with people who have the similar problem and then you want to witness to them, you have the same problem. How does this work? Can one with leprosy go and say, I'm healing the lepers? No, it is the clean who transfer that cleaning to those with the leprosy. That's why Apostle Paul said, well, there were those in this sin and that in this sin, and so were some of you. The word were means that you were like this, you put it off. But people get convicted, but they're reluctant to let go of the momentary comfort of the sin. So the conviction is not, it does not give birth to full grown repentance. They will not stop the sin. They will not say, I have offended God, but I'm going to make it right. People would rather make it right with their girlfriend, with their best friend, and with their boss. If the countenance of their boss shifts, they're like, I'm going to do better next quarter. I'm going to show this guy that he didn't make a mistake hiring me. Imagine you're motivated to get the approval of a human being. But the person who has told you in my father's house, there are many rooms. I'm going to prepare a place for you. You don't care about actually attaining to that place. You want to be an academic genius here on earth and discuss, well, is this really sin? Is there really hell? Would this loving God do this and do that? And all the time, the Lord is watching the motives of the heart. Imagine holding back God's apology because you want to make sure if he's really mad and does he really deserve your sorry? It is an interesting time that we live in, truly interesting. Those who are holy will continue to be made holy. And those who are made, those who are filthy will continue to stay filthy. And thus will come this great separation, this great divide where it will not be like any action movie we have ever seen. You will be unable to reach across that huge abyss and say, take my hand, take my hand and come over to the safe side. There is none of us who will be able to renew those who are falling away to repentance because to do that, we would have to crucify this mighty one who submitted to the indignity of death and the grave. He submitted to it once. Imagine thinking that your wife or your child or that girl you keep sleeping with. Imagine thinking that your interest in securing that person into the kingdom of God is so great an assignment that Jesus will agree to go back on that cross for that person. This too is deception. Great deception. A grand delusion. A party trick. A lie. God bless you. God bless you. May the grace of God abound to those who have hearing ears and are willing to follow on this little tiny machete path as we continue into the eternal kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will continue the prophecy shortly. God bless you. Until I see you again. Goodbye.